0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our third episode of Browsing Security, the world's leading podcast on browser security. Together with me today is James Azar. James, how are you doing today?
1: Doing well, Or. How about yourself, buddy?
0: I can't complain. Uh, Tell our audience something about yourself so they know who you are and uh, what you've done in life.
1: Yeah, so uh, um, I haven't done much in life um, other than be a security guy, right? Um, I'm currently the CTO and head of security for a critical infrastructure company called AP4 Group um out of florida uh previous to that i was the cia <coughs> excuse me well that's you that 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 happens i was the cso for a fintech startup um and 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 previously to that i've, I've served as a cso for uh for some very big organizations small and big um and uh i host the cyber hub podcast and the cso talk podcast so like you man i do this all day it's fun i love podcasting
0: all right so uh, tell tell our audience something about like something personal. Like what what browser do you like the most?
1: I'm a brave guy on desktop, and I'm a GoGo Duck guy on my cell phone, like on my yeah. iOS device.
0: And and what's the reason for that?
1: Um, I I just so so obviously, I mean most most browsers today are Chromium based, but when you think of privacy, I think you know Brave gives you a little bit more control than the other ones fake kind of control over privacy um it's also better performing like I can have 100 tabs open on brave and I don't have any issues and and I know you'll 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 scream in a second like ah 100 tabs it's bad but eh, brave works
0: interesting so this is like the one you recommend for consumers but now since it has a lot of privacy what would you recommend to a CISO
1: so I'm waiting for DuckDuckGo to have their web browser out um I feel like that's, that's going to be the browser of choice um, um, going forward uh, for a lot of us is, is is you know, th- that kind of privacy and, and control over it. Uh, at, at the end of the day, you know, there's no such thing as free. If something is free, you're the product. So for, from a browser perspective, like I said, on, on my cell phone, I use DuckDuckGo. I don't have any other browser app. I mean, I've got to have Safari because it's an iOS device and Sometimes you're required to use Safari for for some Apple stuff, but outside of that, I don't have any other any other browser.
0: All right, that's interesting. Uh, so, uh, just a reminder, guys: this podcast is brought to you by Lyric Security. In Lyric's, we turn any browser into the most secure and manageable workspace. We do all sorts of things from blocking phishing attacks, f- fixing misconfigurations, or preventing data loss on web applications. Now, which web applications may that be? For example, ChatGPT, the star of today's episode, and I think for at least for us, the star of last month. Uh, James, everyone is talking about ChatGPT, LLM tools, and generative AI, Uh, and everyone is talking about is a threat in security and opportunity in security. And basically, my LinkedIn feed is like fifty percent ChatGPT and fifty percent like uninteresting things. So, uh, like. Help me, like, what's the fuss about ChatGPT? Like, why is it such a big deal?
1: So so I think it's a marketing push. Um, I don't think it's a practitioner push. I think, I think most practitioners that you see use the tool when they talk about it and, and you look at your LinkedIn feed or any sort of feed you follow. Uh, it's more practical use cases to it. And then you've got the hype that comes from sales and marketing people predominantly around it. I mean, ChatGPT is in itself, it's it's you know i've i've called it you know google search on steroids or google search on cocaine right um or google search on limitless if you remember the movie with uh with uh, with bradley cooper where he takes the pill and it's limitless with robert de niro and he goes from this bum to this really smart investor and then runs for senator that that's what Chad GBT is it's google search on limitless um it's there's hype around it simply because anytime you see a new piece attack people get excited i think the use cases for chat gpt at the moment are predominantly limited um and i say and and, and i say they're limited simply because um it's it's chat bot version of finding data is 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 impressive but then the way it updates and the way it gets its information and the way the algorithm actually operates has been proven to have several flaws in it and, and not minor ones, right? There's been some major flaws with some, some of the questions that people have asked around um history, mathematics. It's It's been pretty easy to kind of get the algorithm to, to buy into specific uh, pieces of information without really validating what's true or what's not uh, simply because there's more of it we still have a long way to the technology overall though it's really cool it's kind of like the first touch screen iPhone you remember the first touch screen iPhone I still have it um I still have the iPhone 2 the first iPhone it's called the iPhone oh, wow. two and then the next one was the iPhone 3G and I've got both and the iPhone 2 came out in July and the 3G came out in October and people were really really pissed right and I think this is what we're looking at with chat Gbt it's the iPhone 2 it's not the three D three G version yet. I think the three G version is about to come, and when it does come, I think that'll be more impressive than what we're currently seeing.
0: Well, but l- let me let me argue. Uh, you said Google Google on on steroids or cocaine. By the way, is uh, a product statement. Google on cocaine because a lot of a lot of practitioners in any position they Google all day, so having that is a great value proposition. Actually, if I would have to explain what ChatGPT is to my grandmother, which is like typically in technology, how would you explain it to your grandmother? I would use, I wouldn't use the word cocaine, but exactly like ChatGPT is Google on steroids. It's a great statement and it has value. Like eventually everyone is I'd, using I'd, I'd, it. I'd
1: be like it's 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 like the old encyclopedias you you know, grandma has um just quicker and and supposed to be impartial.
0: Yeah, like most people, like I think our audience is, if it's made of people uh, younger than thirty, um, like they don't remember when people were door knocking, like selling door-to-door encyclopedias, and they would go around neighborhoods with encycl- giant encyclopedias in their be- back of their car, offering to sell those. Uh, yep. The very like the very idea of having to search things or just to pay for data would seem like absurd for to people today. Uh, but eventually technology evolves. So like, okay, there is how functional it is. By the way, I agree. Eventually it's just an automation tool. But then there is also the other part of it, which is the DLP part. Uh, Recently, Samsung had this issue, issue breach. Uh, However, like it's an incident, I think would be the proper word, about uh, employees uploading code to ChatGPT. Uh, in what was considered to be a data breach, in which uh, was got to the headlines, changed their routines and protocols inside the organization. Several huge enterprises decided they won't use ChatGPT. They will ban it all together, and it got it to a lot of fuss. So, like, okay, let me recap. We have ChatGPT as a tool for security uh, researchers and responders. We have ChatGPT as a, an automation tool for attackers, and then we have just ChatGPT as a data loss prevention item, like for for DLP teams. So would you uh, uh, please like relate to the difference between those and like how you see each of them?
1: So I think if we take away chat GBT and we look at generative AI, right? So so generative AI actually has a lot more use cases and it's less cool than chat GBT because it doesn't do all the things. I think what would make chat GPT cooler, by the way, or is if they added a voice to it, right? Kind of like Waze does with directions, um. It, it, it'd be much cooler if, if something was out there reading the response and you weren't just reading it yourself. Um, but, but when you look at generative AI, the use case around generative AI is actually much more fascinating. And in fact, it has a much more real impact on technology, on people, on life and on progress, right? So generative AI is going to be introducing um, and is introducing a whole new set of product development and data analytics that would otherwise that wouldn't otherwise be there at the speed it is right G- because of the way generative ai operates any any sort of business or product owner today can look at how people interact with data on a generative ai model and get real life changes that you can make including if you think about it from just the simplest use put generative ai on your website and see where the mouse hangs the most right now go ahead and add a call to action where people hang their mouse the most. Because it's typically not where you put the contact button or where you put your conversion or, or or call to action. That's just one way of doing it with generative AI, where you can do it up to the moment. You can you can in fact make it based on regions. Um and you and you can really be be, be far more sophisticated. In the more in the more introspect side of it though, and I think you know, for for, for me is the idea of generative AI supporting the growth and adoption of technology across various different lines of business. So adopting generative AI um, in terms of identifying and, and studying anomalies, when you think of a tier one analyst as wear down, right? <laughs> in a sock to a a a bot looking at it, the bot's gonna be just fine. Um, he's not gonna wear out um they might be easier to manipulate um per se but the other side would need to know that that's what's looking at the data and not a human right But um, it's just
0: it's just risk management there is no like you cannot fix risk you manage it so one way to manage it is to have someone uh, going over it manually and another one, approach would be to automate things and you always left you're always left with the risk but it's, it's like I, I think you,
1: but but i think you reduce your cost right i mean the one thing about chat, the one thing about generative AI is it reduces cost. And I'll explain how, right? If I needed to have 10 SOC tier one analysts in my SOC operating every shift, and I operated a 24-7 SOC center, you're you're talking about 50 people in rotation, right? That's 50 salaries at $70,000 a year. Everyone can do the math, Right. That's 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 no small feature. You're talking about millions of dollars. Now, if I can take generative AI and I can teach it to do what 40 of my analysts do, and it does it at a fraction of that cost. So then instead of having 50 people do a mundane job, I've got automation doing most of the work, and I've got 10 of my smartest people doing exciting work. So I'm avoiding burnout. I've got my people looking at real life issues rather than just clicking stuff through a, a a sim and looking through alerts, right? And and I'm operating at a higher capacity, and I'm constantly learning. Meaning the generative AI is constantly learning what my team investigates, and is then looking for that as an anomaly. Meaning all of a sudden we're picking up some anomalies that Chat G that generative AI wouldn't know. Now it is because it's looking at the human action after its analysis and going, huh, interesting. Let me learn from that. What was the identifiers for that? Well, you know what? There's 10 more of those that I just overlooked because no one said that's bad or I didn't realize it was bad because it's a new TTP. It's a new IOC. Let me go ahead and bring all those 10 tickets up. And that's something that that generative AI would be able to do in minutes that a human would take hours to do. And it would take weeks to get on it. I mean, if you look at the Toyota breach that was reported uh, this morning, uh, over the weekend, I'm sorry. 11 years. 11 years they had their cloud data sitting there, publicly accessible to 2.5 million people in Japan. 11 years. You want to tell me, Generative AI wouldn't have picked that up after three months? Three days? Three hours?
0: I agree. I agree. So based on what you say, there will be no organization that will not use it and everyone will be expected to use it. Plus, by the way, everyone is excited about it. Like everyone is playing around with it. Uh, everyone right. is trying, like everyone is pushing the boundaries. Me personally, I just took all the uh, AI apocalypse movies and I handed out them uh, to ChetGPT as a hypothetical scenarios, asking him what he think about it. Because everyone's excited about whether that's actually AI Uh, is it something else? I even asked it for variations on Whiskey Sour to see how creative it gets. By the way, it didn't get creative. every time suggested me to make the classic Whiskey Sour. But maybe there is a statement over there. Putting that aside, maybe everyone is using that in a sanctioned and unsanctioned way, which takes us to the the data loss risk. Uh, Same that happens in Samsung. So we want to use it, but we don't want to use it in any way. Like, why is it... Consider the data loss to upload code to ChatGPT. What's the problem with it?
1: So, so uh, you know, great question. Or, um, the problem is multifold, right? I mean, right away when ChatGPT came out, we issued a policy. No customer, company, data or code goes into ChatGPT for All a right. slew of reasons. One, we don't know where that data is or how it's stored or how it's being used by, by the OpenAI project. Nothing to do with the OpenAI project and whether or not they're trustworthy or not. That's not what I'm saying. Saying is you never know where that data ends up or how that data is being used in the generative AI process. Very few people understand the back. People see a a, a product working. People see Layer X on their browser, right? People see uh, a simple data. Very few people understand what it takes to make a dashboard click, to make a product work. There's a there's a back end to it. Uh, you know, you talked about the dark web earlier, right? Well, there's a dark web to the operation of any sort of technological progress product. and And you don't really know what that looks like. You don't know what the back end looks like unless you build it yourself and have access to it. So while OpenAI and a lot of companies can say, we don't see any of the data, I beg to defer. I've done audits on vendors in my previous roles where they say, yeah, we don't see any of this data. It's hashed. And then we go through an audit, we're testing something, and lo and behold, that specific data is only hashed in one place, but it's not hashed in the six other places that data goes. And so now you've got yourself a DLP situation through your supply chain without even knowing it. You've got an incident. You've got an event, right? Right. The same applies with OpenAI. How do you know that the data that you're putting there isn't going to some server somewhere, right? And they may tell you, we don't keep it, we don't host it, whatever the case may be. Fine, someone else does. OpenAI is an open a- project, right? They've got a ton of partners on on, on this. So so you, you so, carry a risk where you don't know where the data is going to end up.
0: So it's also supply chain on steroids. But based on what you say, because we don't even know it's, it's how it's everything. being
1: used, it's, it's everything. You don't know how it's being. You know how many. You know it's it's very funny. If we go back a few years, I remember I was sitting through a pitch, and I'll say of a of a, of a cyber security company, uh, also out of Israel, or uh, but I won't say their name. I don't want to embarrass them. And the rep goes, "Yeah, we use AI." And I said, "Okay, tell me the starting point of your AI. What's the intelligence level your AI starts with?" Well. I don't really know, but what I can tell you is it's learning constantly. And I go, well, that's called machine learning. That's not AI. Those are two very, very different concepts. That do are you know, no- James,
0: uh, do you know what's the difference between machine learning and AI?
1: I want to hear this joke. Go.
0: It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Machine learning is written in Python and AI is written in PowerPoint.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense, right? Um,
0: <laughs> completely, I, agree, it's, a, it's the most horrible dead jokes, but this podcast is. I love that jokes, man. yeah. We we're, this podcast will go straight away to Reddit, it will never be on LinkedIn, so uh, we can just so, use uh, as many dead jokes as we want. Um,
1: uh, we'll, we'll go to the uh Reddit sub, uh, dad jokes, uh, <laughs> sub and, and just start reading those off one by one.
0: So you um, said that this company was claiming to have AI, like, whenever we are asked, and I say, no, we don't have, like, when we are asked. What's your stance on AI? I said, well, as a cybersecurity company that does governance, most of our business is natural stupidity, not artificial intelligence. But we can do that as well if you want. Uh, but <laughs> like we do, we do machine learning. But uh, yeah, I get your point. There is a lot of fuss. And when there is a lot of fuss and hype about the term, it, it's not necessarily uh, a, a quality indicator about it. Like you understand my point?
1: Yeah, absolutely
0: like just add blockchain to it and, uh, or web three. And like, uh, that's like a, a recipe for, you know. It, it, like we're, we're on
1: top of it. Yeah, I've seen those presentations. I mean, I gotta tell you, I have a I have a six layer spam filter on my company email. um, and And my different layers of spam filters filter out different things. If you put a web three in your email in combination with AI, in combination with blockchain, yeah you get your domain gets blocked uh for a year until you grow up
0: and <laughs> we'll unblock
1: you a year later and see if you've grown up and if you come back again you're banned for five years come back five years later you're still not grown all right we'll take you to 10
0: <laughs> that's a good one uh whatever like, no
1: soup for you
0: here's another no soup for Co- you.
1: seinfeld joke
0: Whenever I meet, like like as a startup, we meet all other kinds of startups in accelerators and events. And when I meet, like we are doing Web3 something, and like ba- the banking industry is so stupid, yada, yada. And I was like, uh, like, so why, like, are so many crypto companies failing? Like, how do you about, like, how are you about to, to deal with pedophiles and in terrorists using your platform? Oh, our business is not started with terrorism. Like, eventually, uh, like being honest, there is a problem with all these platforms as a and as a hype but we love web three and web three companies come lyrics will provide the services. Forget about my last statements. And also AI, we love you as well. And all the criticism in this podcast is only temporary. When you control, well, the world- I
1: don't think we're criticizing. I think it's fair to have a conversation about the good and bad of a specific technology. It's not only fair to have this type of conversation. It's critical to have them. You can't praise something without talking about its downside. You know, if you've ever, if you're married, you love your wife, there's no one better than your wife. But sometimes you're with a friend, you're having a beer and you're having a bad day, or you've had a, you know, a bad morning or a bad afternoon with your wife. And you tend to say something a bit more critical of that person. Does that make that a, uh, a, a bad thing or a good thing? Sometimes you need to get things off your chest. You need to put things out there so you can gain perspective. And it's critical for us when we talk about new technologies to gain perspective because fanboying is real, right? Fanboying, fangirling, you know, I want to be, you know, is, is real. People see a new tech and they go, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Only they haven't properly evaluated the risks that come with this specific technology, the downsides and the upsides to it. Yes, it does some a lot of things great, but it also does some things very, very poorly. So make a decision.
0: I couldn't agree more, but this is like a statement not only about chat GPT, generative AI, LLM tools and whatsoever. It's just, I think like the approach of cybersecurity companies in general about, a, like about technology uh, and the credibility in the cybersecurity space, uh, the amount of times I heard this will stop, like X will stop a Y problem for good. And that's it. We portray a bad reality, it's always balancing and there is a cease of fatigue and exhaustion from those promises. And I guess CIOs, like CIOs that consume technologies, didn't get to manage technological departments because they are not understanding technology or dumb people. No, it's because they understand technology and they are super smart. So uh, I think ideally companies, especially cybersecurity companies that need to build trust, should be very on point. There is always limitation to everything that everyone is doing. And it's it's great. It's it's better to discuss about limits instead of like providing promises. But that's just a pr- personal point of view.
1: No, and, and, and I agree with your point of view. I'll tell you where, where I, I disagree a little bit. And I think where some responsibility lies. It lies with founders and it lies with shareholders and investors, right? When you, when, when if your approach towards a customer is, I know more because I do X. Do you really? I've I've sat in rooms and I've been in incubators and I've been invited to many events, where, you know, you've got founders who think because they have a founder title or because they have product X that they understand more about a topic. You could understand somewhat on a topic, and you we can you know and 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 you can be a, you know, I don't believe in cybersecurity. There's a, such a thing as called as, as expert. Um, anyone who puts like cybersecurity expert or guru for me is a red, 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 red flag, right? Cybersecurity is across multiple domains. It, it's impacted differently across across different lines of business, across different industries and verticals. There's no, there's no way to understand something. Now, you can be an expert at governance. You can be an expert at policy. You can be an expert at security operations, potentially red teaming. You can be an expert at blue teaming. You can't be an expert in all of it. You can't, that's statistically impossible, right? Unless you're generative
0: AI. Maybe generative AI
1: could be like, I am the ultimate expert.
0: But it's like in academy, like when you get to to being a professor, you start your studies, you study like cybersecurity. And eventually when you're a professor, you talk about like homomorphic encryption in specific use cases, which is great because expertise, by the way, is constant improvement and the best researchers I ever met when we met, like people that I appreciate, I think that are way smarter than me. They would always say, "I'm curious about what you're doing. Teach me. I want. I want to improve. I want. I want to stimulate my my, my mind. I want to, to to like teach me what this technology does. I'll find uses to it. But uh, like being decisive is not is not a great thing. And I think it c- comes back to what you said about how to evaluate GPT in such tools in your organization. You can use them in very like horrible ways, but you can use them in great ways. For example, uh, let's say that you don't you want to avoid the DLP, you can still use them for enrichment. You can do a lot of th- things with them. Eventually, you can you can operationalize and automate tasks in a way. It's like 3D printer. Like what was yep. their business models? If you have a problem and you don't want to build an entire pipeline, an entire factory in this use case, a code factory, but you want to get it done, it would will, will not necessarily be the best solution but you can answer or uh, create any kind of tool, but it's just like an analytical tool. And this is something amazing. So going back to the topic, we're talking about ChatGPT, it's a great tool and it has data security risks. And now let's take the CISO point of view. 2023, everyone is cutting budgets. Uh, There is always like a problem in prioritization uh, and attention. Like being a CISO is a hard thing, man. Their life is full of risks. All the vendors promise to solve everything for them. And now comes this GPT. Now, like in lyrics, we, we address this, and we can talk about it in the end. But let's take the CISO's point of view for a second. They can put their time on anything. Why addressing ChatGPT at all? Why not blocking it? Like you cannot use no ChatGPT for you. You can use it next year. You, by the way, so, I block Chet GPT, I buy a quota. You can ask me. You can send me the queries. I'll do the research for you.
1: So, so that's such a that, that's such an old CISO mentality of just blocking. Right, um, I, I have a problem whenever I hear people at a security event or in a security conversation say, well, I just revoked everyone's I, ability to do X. And you're like, well, you know, in some cases you can do that. You can issue a policy that says no. You can block, you know, the domain uh, uh at the firewall level or, or at your VPN level. You can use layer X and and, and limit some access to it right or, or or block it all together and smart people or creative people will find a way around it and then you'll be in a situation where you've got shadow it or shadow dlp and they can keep going with the shadow aspect of it the modern CISO today the CISO that exists in a 2023 2024 in a modern scale, hyperscale, enterprise of constant development, of constant adoption. One, the moment you say no, you're not you're not saying no to the people. You're saying no to your board. You're saying no to your executive team, right? Someone, the CEO or, or someone in the board saw something about generative AI or chat GBT, reached to someone they know on the engineering side of the house and said, can we use this? And the engineering side of the house now has tasked several people to go out and see what can and can't be done with it and do some case studies of, you know, what it would take to get a product using these types of technologies to improve the company's services. Right. Realistically. So the moment you block it, you're, you're, you're now seen as, as the person who's preventing progress and you're not really helping the business or security at all. In fact, you're now in the way. And when you're in the way, people tend to be uh, um, antagonists towards any additional message you need from them. So now I need engineering to use uh tool X. They may or may not adopt it. They may or may not make my life miserable in adoption. And they may or may not fight me for it. Security today has to be then more than, than just blocking. It has to be, what's the use case? What are we trying to accomplish? How are you validating Um, the use case you're going after? What kind of data do you plan on using? How do you plan to use it? If I gave you false data, would you still be able to do what you need to do with false data? If we created a special VM for you to use this stuff through, would you be willing to use it on a special VM? What kind of requirements do you have in order to prove this for the business? Let us come up with a security strategy to make it work for you. All right you I issued a policy that essentially said you can't put any code or data into chat GBT. If you need to do any of that, you need to contact security to get the guidance of how to do it, right? And we created a fake data bank of false data of of old unused code, right this carded code and we said use this. it'll still give you the same use case. It'll still give you the things you're looking for without compromising anything that would impact the company in any sort of real way. And so you've got to be able to do that every time.
0: All right. So now, like, you've covered two very important things. First of all, what are the security KPIs? Because based on what you say, uh, I heard this a couple of times before. When cloud emerged, IT wanted the cloud because it's scalable, reliable, it's a great thing, and security in big organizations was, like, Cloud wouldn't catch, and it did catch eventually. You now they they have to buy it, and they have to chase, after unmanaged cloud because they weren't there as it went like came into the market. And now the same thing is, is happening. But you say that CISOs understand that. So we have the layer of KPIs: what can be achieved as a security team, and then there are like what what's what's realistic on a budget. So let's say that the CISO doesn't have a budget to buy a product tomorrow, or let's say that he will buy something in a couple of months, but he needs something like quick wins. So what are the quick wins and what's what's achievable for them?
1: And I think I kind of said that in my previous answer, right? If you look at quick wins around this from a DLP perspective, if, if the questions around DLP, because we started this conversation around DLP, mm-hmm. there's very few DLP products that would be able to identify this kind of data on a web browser right very few very very few and far in between your firewall you could potentially like i said you can block open ai but they'll just disconnect they'll you know (laughs) they'll use a hotspot on their phone to connect and it's the easiest thing in the world yeah right uh you can try to make it you can try to block it through the vpn i disconnect from the vpn um you tell me, don't use your company laptop. I'll move that data to my personal laptop and do it there. There's so many ways to get, to get through this. It's not even funny. Um, you know, you probably know a better way to fix it than I do. Um, I, you know, I've seen layer X and, and, and so I know what layer X does. Um, and, and that's one way to fight this. Um, without really adding an additional, you know, kind of restrictions. Because if you block open AI and someone doesn't want to use it for any other reason and read documentation, you've kind of again hindered business. Right. And I'm not saying every Ciso understands this because you and I have been in enough rooms with enough of our peers to know that some people will just say I blocked it and sit there with a um I like to call it a drunk Santa feel. And you know that drunk Santa feel only lasts so long until you get a call. <laughs> that says everyone's been doing stuff behind your back and now you've got to explain to the board and executive leadership how that happened, right? Um, Just because you locked the front door doesn't mean the back door is locked too. You still got to go and lock the back door and you've got to make sure the windows have sensors and then you've got to make sure you defend your whole perimeter and not just and when, your front
0: door. Yeah, and when it's as easy as disconnecting from the VPN, it doesn't take a hacker. So the levels of, of threats, so you got like an APT and a hacker, then a malicious insider, then like an unintentional risk, and then what we call now a lazy insider, like a lazy insider threat. The lazy insider wants ChatGPT to do its job, and it will do anything possible to get to that laziness. Uh, and that user is not malicious, but is unaware of the risks. And that's like nature. That's nature that uh, people tend to uh, save time. It's it's just it's just standard. So you were talking about changing behavior and uh, awareness. You cha- you talked about detecting specific kinds of data. Um, and these are great initiatives. Honestly, even though Lyrics does that, uh, I think every CISO for every use case should have like the owner budget solution and t- a way to address this, whether that's even an email campaign internally in the organization. What you said about, tell me how you'd like to use ChatGPT and yeah. how to find a way to do it for you.
1: I, you know, I, I'm gonna disagree with you there, um, and I'll tell you why. I don't believe in email campaigns um, for messaging from a CISO perspective. Um, one way I would solve this is I would do a luncheon. Um, you know, a lot of us are return to office people are 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 coming into the office two to three days a week on average now, right? Most you still have your remote people, but even if you did your remote people, you've got two to three. You've you, you've still got your core team coming into the office. I would do an AI luncheon. I would invite everyone to that AI luncheon. I'd use the HR budget to pay for it because, hey, we're, we're talking about something along those lines. So it doesn't impact mine. It doesn't impact engineering's budget to go and grab, you know, five, $600 worth of beer and pizza and get everyone, get everyone in a room and get someone to come and talk about AI and then get to hear some ideas of how people are thinking or looking at using it and then saying, hey, great ideas. Let's follow up and write those down and follow up with those individual teams about, you know, what they're trying to prove and how they're trying to get to their use cases. So, you know, I'm so against this kind of super fit, like what I like to call like the mass, the mass process of practicing security, right? The, let's send an email to everyone. It's kind of like, it's Christmas time. And if you get a link, you know, all, all the phishing awareness stuff I just it doesn't work phishing you know awareness only works because you keep testing people and people start to be hyper vigilant to the testing and yeah and 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 development works the same way you can send someone and say oh uh we want to talk to you about AI and you know how many people are going to reach out to you very few right very few because they're afraid that you're going to shut down what they're working on and what they're working on could be their bonus. It could be their promotion. It could be their patent, right, that they're working on for the company. They don't want to get shut down by security. They're going to build it because they know security is going to come later and have to fix it. The only way for security to be effective in an organization is proactive security. Proactive security means you're building relationships. You're reaching out to olive branches. What are, we're in the business of managing risk SSOs. That's our business. We manage risk. So how do I manage risk? I reach out with an olive branch. I create environments where people can come in and learn and be entertained. And I can build relationships. And my team is there. And there's a forging of of relationships between my engineers and analysts to the engineers and developers on the other lines of business. Um, And those conversations now aren't once a week. They're three, four times a day. Those are conversations that are happening in Slack channels uh, between the different team members and my security team. And there's trust and there's collaboration in building it. And oftentimes we feel like, you know, security people tend to want to come up from with a policy or with a rule, but they miss the main aspect of it, which is the people aspect. Um, And you can have any policy in the world. I've yet to see a policy or a regulation stop a data breach.
0: Well, there is other the other approach that I heard once and I just love it. A CISO that likes email campaigns, like uh, does them and assume that they get through and the justification was, I don't, like, I'm fine. I don't know of any threat I didn't block because it's a classic, like, uh, in a no-known known problem. Like, I don't know of anything that I didn't block. Hence, life is sweet for me. But most CISOs today, uh, like, Get your like get your approach and they behave similarly. And this is, by the way, the motivation for cybersecurity startups. If everything was solved and there were no problems, there were no space for startups. Eventually, the reality is that there is a tension between proactiveness, enablement, uh, security, productivity. There is no like best practice for everyone. It changes. Every company is similar, but also a snowflake in a way. So every CISO should adapt also organizationally. Um and uh, yeah, eventually, just avoiding the risk—it's like it's a no. It's a no use. Eventually, organization should use ChatGPT. So we talked about what can be done on a budget and not not on a budget, and it should be proactive. But let's talk about this problem. Something that uh, I think comes up in the last couple of years quite a lot, and this is something that we 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 experience here quite a, quite, quite a lot, is how much in your organization you don't control. So a couple of years ago and uh, with the SaaS revolution started exploding, uh, there was an immense growth in SaaS security companies, anything from Casb's to modern SSPM tools, saying, listen, take control over your, all your applications, connect them via API, to something, and this something will do all the magics. Just take control of everything, and that's it. Life will be sweet. The problem is that uh, all these product approaches face some kind of a challenge that there is always something uncontrolled, uncontrolled in an organization, from SaaS applications to browsing activity to whatsoever. Like It's, it's simple. Give employees spare time, a, a device and access to the web. They'll do things that you can't control. Now, the same goes with ChatGPT. Now, my question to you is, within three to five years from now, Will there be like one king, ChatGPT that every organization will have self-hosted inside organization without DLP, multi-tenancy, and the problem will become non-existent? Or there will be hundreds of chatgpt like tools from different companies and vendors, uh, from different distributors with different data security guidelines, and the problem will become uh, a shitstorm? The latter.
1: And I'll tell you why. Um You're going to have some companies that are going to be able to spend the money and go and get a private ai server and run generative ai through a private ai server those companies are far and few in between we're talking about the giants right the googles the microsoft's the you know the the jp morgan chase the bofas the wells the the companies who can go and spend 50 million on a server fill 50 million on on something like this into their infrastructure you got to hire the people to maintain it, right? But then you talked about startups and you said when there's, you know, because there's shortages, there's and and and, and challenges, there's more room, more startups come up and, and so forth. And you're right. So here comes a bunch of other companies that go to smaller organizations and say, we're taking on the $50 million cost. You pay us $1,000 a month to have a license to use X amount of data on our version of chat of our our version of chat gbt or or generative ai that does these these actions these functions and you're going to see a bunch of companies build on that right and have additional tools and plugins it'll end up being kind of like a wordpress ecosystem where it's just a bunch of different you know generative ai plugins that do a bunch of very very different things um and so um my guess is it's in, in three to five years, it, it's going to be a greater mess than it is today. It's going to be a greater mess than it is today because the the ecosystem doesn't support giants. The ecosystem supports a bunch of giants that are expensively priced and then everyone else trying to utilize the technology but can't afford to pay the tag for it, right? Today, you know, if you don't want to wait in line for for to, to use JBT, you pay them 20 bucks a month. Twenty bucks a month, and you can use it anytime you want, right? I'm one of those people, but if it was two thousand a month, would you pay it?
0: No. Well, it depends. But the 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 cost of entry to be a user is very high. Like the PLG motion here is amazing because. um you, you, you mentioned the use cases. It It is exactly like the 3D printers when you understand what it can do for you and you can build build like ETLs, it's like it's also like no code on steroids because you, you're not even structured to some sort of a, a routine. It can save a company of, let's say, 50 employees, the cost of employment of additional five employees with very, very little managerial, uh overhead. But it needs to get there. You need to foot in the door. Uh, Plus, they want like they want to be addictive, and they train on that data. So there, is, in my point of view, there is very minimal motivation to charge a lot for that because they want to have the network effect. The same way when you look back at the browser, the first browser war, uh, browser wars is like well, every t- every couple of years there is a new wave of a lot of different browsers, and then it's Chrome winning. Uh, but they don't like will let you wait for this season to, to end. So there was the, the first browser war between a, 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 it was in... After Mosaic, it was Netscape in and Explorer, am yeah. I right? Yeah, yeah, and the Netscape, Netscape approach,
1: Netscape,
0: like, yeah, and their approach was like paid terminal, and then the Explorer approach was being free but bundled with an operating system, and then the second browser war it was Explorer versus Chrome, and Firefox, that at some point was larger and more significant than both Chrome and Explorer, uh, and the network effect was tremendous. Now there is no multi tenancy in ChatGPT because it trains on data, and eventually, if you uh, use ChatGPT to beautify your ai for cybersecurity solution and someone else will ask hey chatgpt would you please provide me an ai based tool for cybersecurity for whatsoever authorization in the cloud uh no one promises you that it wouldn't yield the code that the other guy just uploaded so like the problem is that it will just grow and the, the, that, the that's stickiness... that's
1: why, but that's why i'm think that's why i'm saying that the there's gonna there's a reason that Google and Microsoft invested now I think quite close to together 400 or 500 billion dollars in a in a generative AI uh combined <laughs> <laughs> um and then the reason for that is really simple um they both understand that they're one and two in the cloud world right i mean or or you know you could argue that You know, Azure and GCP are two and three, and they're always trailing AWS, but the way for them to beat AWS was to add the, the, the generative AI into their cloud ecosystem, because that's a way to get people that build on AWS to come and build on GCP or Azure. And so they see that and they see that coming. They're going to create that. We don't see it today. It will be there. Right. And what'll happen is your generative AI will only be as smart as you make it, and so it'll only work off a data set you're introducing to it. It's not really getting the network feel or the network feed to it. And when you talk about the browser, where it's no different than Go Duck Duck Go. So Duck Duck Go on my phone is no smarter from one session to the other, right? It's not. Yeah. It doesn't show me different ads, it doesn't show me different data. It, it's none none the smarter from one session to the other. Because the moment you clear, even when people say, Well, I clear my cache and cookies on a Chrome, okay, wonderful. The advertisers still have all your data. The advertisers still know the IP address you come from, the browser still understands. There's a whole like I said, if people understood what happens in the background of something, they'd be they'd be utterly scared. It's kind of like the first time you ever walk into a back of a restaurant that you like and you look at the kitchen and you go I eat here, <laughs> right? Um, you know, in Israel it's very common, right? When you go to eat shawarma or falafel in the street, right? You're looking at the you're looking at the guy behind the counter that's going to cut your meat. Depending on how he looks like it's whether or not you're going to order from there. If he if the guy does this with his hand, you're probably leaving cuz you know he's not going to wash his hand and you're about to eat a sweat. Yeah. So like you know, the, 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 same rules apply here. It's, it's going to be, you know, different storefronts, th- different ideas of, of, you know, falafel and shawarma. They're all the same beef, chicken or, or Turkey. Right. But, but it's they're beef, chicken and Turkey with a little bit of different seasoning, but it all does the same thing. And it's about how big of shawarma do, can you afford? Right. I just yep. compared generative AI to shawarma stores in Israel. Yes. <laughs>
0: But eventually, like you sh- you should know what's inside. otherwise, it's like free range cat or something like that. You need to know like, the, the, you need to to trust the supply chain
1: but but that's why the the best ones shine, right? Yeah, if, you know, in in Israel, there's no greater debate than who has the best falafel.
0: so okay, this is for our audience. James, when you're in Israel, you have two falafel things. <coughs> On one of them, you'll have to stand twenty minutes in line, and the other one has no one in line. Which one you would you go to?
1: Ooh, Very interesting. I'd probably, you know, I'd probably go to the 20 minute in line one, right? Because that's the herd mentality. But not before I went to the one without a line and said, can I taste one of your falafel balls? Right? Like, I'd I'd probably take one taste it. if it was good, then I'm ordering from this guy. Right? If it wasn't good, then I'm probably going to go stand in the 20 minute line. I'm one of those.
0: Yeah, one of those. Now, Israelis would say, "James, what are you? I, you, you miss uh, like the death angel or something like that? Are you do, willing to risk your life?" It's like considered a very, very uh, brave thing to do. But you use brave on that stuff, so I use brave. That's my browser, right? Yeah, you are I'm brave. brave. You're a badass. Uh,
1: but right. but, 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 <laughs> but 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 as such, yeah, I mean, but but the same would apply here. You're going to see people who go to OpenAI. You're going to see people who go to Microsoft. You're going to see people who go to Google. And then you're going to have all these other companies that are going to come out with their own plugin. We see it with, with phone apps, right? Look at how many phone apps now say chat GBT. How many yep. of them are real chat GBT and how many of them are just collecting data?
0: Ah, it's just, it's like an adversary in the loop. There's someone over there, yeah. Googling and asking, uh, taking your data. Yeah. In generally speaking, Don't trust the web. Uh, James, it's been a pleasure just for our audience. uh, uh, Lyrics addresses ChatGPT with a blocks the least matter. It's not just a marketing fluff. We allow users to go on ChatGPT. We detect attempts to submit code, PII sensitive data, and we could just use that to change the behavior of your employees, to make them search for better terms, or to add a sensor data we can block them, we can govern how to use it, and we can let you know how to use it without the overhead of managing this tool. So within five minutes, you can get the ChatGPT risk mitigated as well as any other LLM slash generative AI tool that's existing or not existing yet because everyone is accessing them on the browser. James, thank you very, very much for being us here today uh looking forward to see you in israel the first time the next time you arrive having falafel together you can choose the stand that we'll go to uh <laughs>
1: we're going to the kosem man that's the only place we go to but the original kosem not the one in sarona
0: no i, I so I, I take the risk I, I went for the six shekel falafel over there like you don't know what's its size like it's like the, it's like it's a dollar and a half falafel but it, like it, it has the longest you're line. not sure
1: what you're getting see, see i, I, I I'm 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 i go to the Kosem. Like that's just on that's on the stop.
0: The Kosem is the magician and like it's the premium falafel in Tel Aviv. So you know you'll get a high quality, clean, clean, uh healthy clean, clean meal. Yeah. Yeah. I All mean right. he cooks
1: everything in front of you.
0: There, yes, there's I no agree.
1: nothing better. You don't there's no back door there's no back room to look at.
0: No back room. All right, James. Thank you very much. And uh, you. wish you a great day.
1: You too, buddy. Thanks, Orr.